0: my dad actually said to me growing up he said it this way and i found it to be true he said jeff it, it's hard to be a good father until you've been a good son and i thought "Hmm, that's interesting and my dad didn't necessarily mean it in this context but the context that i put it into that i found to be so true is that my fatherhood or my ability to be what I think is a productive, intentional, spirit-filled father is really based on how I am as a son to my heavenly father. That relationship, the seeking him as my dad and uh, the intimacy and hearing from him and searching scripture and really trying to to be present with him on a moment-by-moment basis and be developed by him that's the beginning of being a good father welcome to the leveraging success podcast i'm your host jeff gearhart every time that we're together we're here to work at helping you to work less to make more and with your margin an increase become an incredible spouse, an incredible parent, and to work at the calling that God's got on your life, the mission that he made you for. Why are you here? We want to be all about that, but it comes from leveraging success. We've got a great topic for you today, and it's one that comes for all of us, no matter if you're a male or female, the question of fatherhood and what does that mean? What does it take to be a good father? What does it mean if I don't have a good father, perhaps? Or uh, what does it mean for me to be in the most important father relationship there is in the world? We're going to be talking about that today. Joining me, as always, here is Rob Dayton. Rob, welcome. Hope you've had a great weekend. We're here filming on a Monday, getting ready for the week ahead. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jeff. It's great to see you. Hey Rob, glad to be with you too. Here we are on a Monday after the weekend recording here talking about fatherhood. And the reason this subject came up for me was last week I was working with a guy that I've been working with for about a year, year and a half or so, and we're unpacking on some topics. And the next thing I know, he is saying, hey, uh, I've got a really troubled relationship with my father. In fact, it's, it's so bad due to his mm-hmm. father's behavior, that he had to put in some strong boundaries uh, to try to prevent the issue from spilling over. And we started talking about that. And he's like, Man, I need the info. Whatever you know about fatherhood, he happens to know my sons. And he said, whatever you're doing with those two, I need the same thing. So whatever it is, it would really help me. And so we were talking about this. And and really unpacking on it, and there's some things that uh, that came out of the discussion that there was more than just the the hacks, Rob. The things that we think about is this is a good idea, this is a good way to approach it. And the beginning of that is something that my dad actually said to me growing up. He said it this way, and I found it to be true. He said, "Jeff, it, it's hard to be a good father until you've been a good son." And I thought, hmm. That's interesting. And my dad didn't necessarily mean it in this context, but the context that I've put it into that I've found to be so true is that my fatherhood or my ability to be what I think is a productive, intentional, spirit-filled father is really based on how I am as a son to my heavenly father. So good that relationship the seeking him as my dad and uh the intimacy and hearing from him and searching scripture and really trying to to be present with him on a moment by moment basis and be developed by him that's the beginning of being a good father
1: it's so good and it's so true and you know it, it's interesting that you know Jesus I don't think we think about this too often, but Jesus is the first person in the scriptures to say, God is your father. Hmm. That he, you know, he's bringing that, that uh, concept to us, and it's radically different from the Israel mindset. Uh, this thought that he's, he's not just a father, so he's, he's birthed you, he's, he, you're his offspring, we are created in the image of God, All these things going so that we have to remember that we are radically, radically loved by this God in a fatherly way. So I love what you're saying because if that's true, then we have to position ourselves to be good sons. We have to, we have to like focus on the fact that He is this good Father. I think it's really interesting how when you ask people, who do you connect with best? uh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father. And father's last, usually for most people, Jesus usually first, you know, so there's this, I love this. You're talking about this because this is the way Jesus designed the relationship.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, I would think that the father's last probably because we want the law last, right? And we think of the father as the law. And so the father lays down the law and- The cosmic killjoy. He's the cosmic killjoy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that that then that could be the the frame of reference that we've got from our earthly father that may have led to that kind of of thinking. But being a good son, Rob, maybe staying here for a minute because there's an interesting parable, of course, that comes up when we think about sons that Jesus told a story about the prodigal son. And it's titled the prodigal son, but that's really half of the story, right? The prodigal obviously says, give me what's mine and let me go on my way and do the things that I want to do until I've exhausted all my resources. And then I'll come back to you. And, you know, we can take our father that way and say, I just need what I need. Please provide for me. I've asked for this. Give me what's due so I can go be on my agenda. One part of that story. The other part of the story is the faithful son who's out working hard saying, Hey, how come? How come? You know, I'm a good son. I'm doing the things that I think you want me to do and I'm working hard. And yet, looking at my other brother, the one that was negligent that ran out, and you're caring for him. And in both, I think that the, both of those scenarios uh, have flaws. The prodigal son, the obvious flaws of, Hey, let me live on my agenda. The other sons who, who said, hey, I'm working hard. You should be paying attention to me. You should give me what I, I, I've been waiting for you to recognize my work. But the point was the presence. The point was the being with the Father in both of those cases is that the running away from and trying to find purpose or live like I am God, uh, that wasn't the idea. The idea was to go to God and to be with the Father all the time.
1: Yeah, and and I'll just add to that. It's beautiful, is the and to trust the Father, and to trust how the Father is is leading the relationship. And in that case, that parable actually written specifically for Pharisees. As other people are coming into the faith and into uh, accepting God, don't be offended by those people, but understand that you that you know in the Father's words in the parable, all that I have is yours. And thinking of the goodness of the Father. Yeah, so powerful. I love that.
0: You know, Rob, again, I think probably because the framing of our earthly fathers, it's led us to a place with which we've needed to, or we've wanted to perhaps frame God in the God is love. And that love is the grace side of the equation. And that's true, right? He is grace, but he is also truth. He's both 100% of those things, right? And that quite honestly, the antidote in my life is fearing him and realizing that he does have boundaries. He does have things that he's commanded from me. And if by chance you're listening to this podcast and you're not a God, Bible, Jesus person, and you're trying to understand what... We're talking about. Uh, there is both these elements that that come into play in knowing the Father through Jesus. The only way to the Father through Jesus is to understand just that there is the the love, the encouragement, and admonition that comes from the. This is the truth, and here's what is right. Here's what's wrong, and and seeing that as the guardrails that prevent us from the misery that comes in living hell on earth, which is a godless life. And so th- that that important part of this scenario isn't to just to paint the God that over uh, enables his children with just a grace that exists without truth, but that the beauty of him is to fear him and realize that his power, his truth uh, provides for us, it protects us. And the things that he said not to do, even as you get more intimate with him, the things that he'll invite you not to do that you may have freedom to do. This is the process of growth, but it's not just a growth for me. It's a growth to him and a closeness with the
1: father. That is, it's so profound. And, and you're, you're right. Like some people who might be listening to this who don't have that context. What I love to think about is that Jesus apparently knew the whole psychology because just to break it down for us as men. We cast a vision for our own lives through the words our dads told us. Of course, they tried their best. I mean, I I feel like I tried my best and said the best stuff, but inevitably, the enemy worked into some word that is holding you back. Uh, More on that psychology, we tend to see our dads and our success in comparison to how they did so, you know, it's kind of ironic. Like I remember hearing my dad around the dinner table at one point. I just caught the he he, he was making fifty thousand dollars a year, and he couldn't believe he was working for you know World Vision and making that much money. And and I was thinking, okay, so when and when I finally got to fifty thousand dollars, which <laughs> not adjusted for inflation, I was like, oh, okay, I've made it. I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's this thing. It's this. It's this ceiling that's placed in our head based on that man and how we perceive ourselves through it. So connecting it back to the father's love is, uh, and Jesus' description of God as father, we need to make that bridge and have a different, more, uh, let's say, pure, full of grace, yes, boundaries, and then also excitement, excitement for who you're becoming and who you are.
0: Oh man, Rob, that's so perfect because well frankly um, you know from everything that i've read and i've heard from you you had a fantastic father but but with that scenario is um a, a comparison that says am i good enough have i measured up and what god the father who wants to be our father directly the best father that we could ever have the, the beginning of it is to realize that it's not a comparison game it's not a measuring up it's actually the beginning then in fatherhood is to love me for who I am, for who God made me to be, that my capacity to love my children, and to love everyone, to be a good father is first to love me for who I am and not, not to live in a comparison uh, left or right or to an earthly father that was this or that. But for me to decide that as is, I am loved, I'm worthy of love, that God created me special, that he made me his masterpiece, that having accepted Christ and knowing him and following him through faith, that now he's prepared good works for me to do. In fact, he had designed me for, and it's all prepared in advance. And so that workmanship that he's been making in me, that that if I start to look in the mirror, and not doing some sort of Stuart Smalley, you're good enough. <laughs> You're smart enough, whatever you used to say. Uh, it, but for for us to look at ourselves and say, man, look what God has done. Look at what he's doing in me and see the gain of all the good things that he's done. This creates an amazing capacity to love others, especially our children. And what is his perception of us?
1: Uh, I think we're, we're that got that so distorted. Jesus is coming on the sc- scene and saying, hey, like, you know, it's a father thing. I think about you know, and I know you have a couple sons. My son Jedediah, I am so excited when he does something like just a little, most minuscule amount of growth. I'm just like, that was amazing, you know. It's like I want to see him progress, and I understand that it's a journey, and and I understand that I had my own hangups. If I look at my own childhood and how much even more advanced he is, he has different roadblocks, but. His dad is excited, like even when, and I don't know what this is about, but like even when they ask for something, you know, is not the best for them as a dad, you're wrestling. Well, I kind of want to give that to him. Like, what is that? Like the father's, if we had that same perception, which is pure and not evil or not tainted by this world, that our father is so in favor of us that when we make advances, even though we have two, you know. Three steps forward, two steps back. He's cheerleading and excited about our future. That changes the way we show up for him and for other people.
0: Man, that's so good because you you see the, the need for giving, the wanting to give and love our children. And then at the same time, uh, th- there's a need for what's the right thing that they need in development. And so, While our mind would be saying to our Heavenly Father, I I need this, I I want this, You, you know I should have it, he also sees a grander picture with which the part of the development includes the strain, the waiting, the pain, it's not all pleasure. Anybody that's selling you a gospel that shows, you know, pleasure only is uh, selling you snake oil. Uh, we, we understand right. the reality of life, but that the development comes through some of the things that are not as pleasant as others, but they're all good for us. And that He sees all those things. And so as we go through them, we have to understand we're being developed. He's the perfect Father. So, he knows what to give, when to give and how to give and in collaboration with what is going to bring me closer to him. So this process is something that, that I want to be cognizant of for my, for my own kids. And someone explained this to me, Rob, a number of years ago, and, and it's been important for me to start to frame development stages for my kids, because when I understand their development, then I can be thinking of what's right right now. Not what's right yes. anytime, but what's right at this stage. You know, when kids were born somewhere uh, between, you know, birth to three to five years, those first years are all about serve me, take care of me. And look, everyone's taking care of my needs. I cry, I get what I want. And that becomes the, the routine. Somewhere along the way, they start to develop cognizantly there's something not right here. And these are those years between perhaps five to 12 years old. And, and they're realizing there's something not right. I can't put my finger on it. And they're seeing more and more imperfections, whether it's they couldn't share something with a sibling or they didn't get what they wanted and they can't quite put it all together yet. But then at around that 12, 13 year age, they start to say, I'm not what's right here. And they start to believe, you know, I'm the problem and from that 13 to 18 year span their development is spent thinking like i'm terrible i'm odd i don't fit in they don't really like me deficit 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 comparison comparison and so this is leaving them very vulnerable and we can see why the digital world continues to take its arrows yes. straight at those hearts in in that time period but then when we hit the the 18 year plus range there's a moment with which we start to say, well, it's the world that's wrong. It, it wasn't me. It's the world. And so I look at this world and there's so many things that I've, I know what's wrong. And I don't know why my parents don't know it or these adults don't know it. I've got all the answers. I know what's wrong with this world. And so they spend their time thinking the world's wrong, the world's wrong. And then there's this critical junction in their adult life where they have to decide, am I going to be in one, screw the world, get what you can, right? Forget the world, it's messed up. I'm just going to make sure I can please myself as long as I can and extend that. Or a second opportunity in this why in the road is to say, all right, serve the world with who I am and what God purposed me for. And if we can develop as adults to a place with which we've decided I'm here to serve, everything I do is is here to serve and, and to live the purpose that God made me for that that's the right path. But so as we think about those development years uh, and who our kids are in those stages, the messages and the approaches to them at each of those stages need to flex so that it helps them first protect themselves from perhaps themselves, as well as to help them have the right amount of grace and truth to develop them to the right stage, which is ultimately, if we do a good job with our children, they end up in a place where they say, I know who I am. I love who I am. I believe in who God made me to be. And I know why I'm here and who I'm here to serve.
1: So good. And then I'll just add, so while you're thinking about being a father to your, your kids, you're, you're thinking, you know, kind of back to where you started is, and I'm going through these stages too, and I need to be really aware, self-aware of the things that are going through my head as I walk this journey. I know for many men, you know, you don't really get the power of a father until he passes. And when he passes, I've seen so many guys like that is either the release valve moment or it's the worst moment for them because they they have it, they don't know who they are. They're unstable without kind of that North Star, whatever the psychological power is of that man. But that is the opportunity when you actually see yourself as the man most is when your father's died. So paying attention to like what's going on with you, like. When I'm around my, my earthly father, how am I processing that? How is my relationship with my heavenly father helping me with that? All that uh, to be aware of is I'm um, thinking about how, as you said, I'm thinking of the stages of, of where my kids are at and what is the right message at the right time to bring them up, reflecting on, okay, what's the message right now for me? And getting getting into that purpose, and you know, the, our this whole podcast about leveraging success, we have to double down on the things the Father has designed us to do, and talking about and asking the, our Heavenly Father, what do you see? What was your design intended when you were when you were designing Jeff Gearhart? Uh, what what were you thinking that I would do, and trying to match? Everything you do, your conversations with your kids, with your spouse, in your job, in your kingdom calling, all focused on that outcome that he sees.
0: Mm, man, that, that's the intentional work that we want to do as fathers, is to look at our, our kids and say, what do they need? How can I give them what they need so that they're going to be stimulated and grow to the right level, that they're going to be incredible lights, incredible uh, followers of Christ that won't be bound up by all the lies that this world tells us. We're all uh, fighting in, against those lies. And so I, I need to have an intentional plan, something that says that this is my my agenda in this season that's going to help to move the needle with my kids.
1: So It's so good. And just another thing I thought of that You know, the guys, if they don't get, they, they kind of screw up the father thing on both ends with their kids and with their heavenly father. And that is that you need to see your spouse, your partner as more important. And you're more dedicated to her or, or him. If you're a woman listening, than you are to your kids. That's right. And I'll, I'll report that, um, my kids, tell us the most important, now that they're both in relationships and in love, one's married, one's about to get married, the most important thing they got from us is that we loved each other first. They didn't understand it. It was like, why? Like, I'm, I'm your kid, you know? So, but then now they get it because now they have to transition into that committed relationship. And that is one of the most important things a father can do uh, on an earthly perspective, to really take that bride and make her the focus, regardless of how challenging your marriage is, make her the focus, her the priority, her dreams center stage. And then how that relates to our heavenly father is that he has given her or him as to take care of and our focus and responsibility. And we have to honor our heavenly father and, and make that our mission first. That's how healthy kids and
0: healthy sons are raised. And so good. So good. You know, understanding my role and then realizing that I'm providing an oxygen to my family and, and that oxygen uh, is going to be one that's either making them healthy or poisoned and and by the way i am emanating it i'm giving it off all, the, all time. the time and everyone's sensing it is dad in a bad mood right now is dad in a good mood right. Right <laughs> is this is this christmas dad or is this uh is this dad just got home from work and had a bad day dad you know those oh kind my gosh. we are the thermostat really of our whole family. And so they realize, and, and they'll put their own emotions in a place with which they're hopeful or they're fearful uh, based on how we address them and how we come into the room when we're there. It's so true. And, you know, you, you talked
1: about my dad, definitely a a kingdom leader, um, but definitely had some challenges. Uh, He has an essay that he wrote called the ghost of my father. And when I read it, I cry every time and it's about how this you know amazing stoic of a man was this big mystery and i had the same feeling about my dad and somehow he had some challenging anger issues where you know something would trip now he and then he would get really super angry in his family which like you said you're setting the thermostat he now he was able to really correct that by the time i left the house uh and then But I sense, I had that anger thing earlier. I'm like, what is that thing? They have inherited, like, what is it about? So we have to be really sensitive to, you know, how our dads showed up in the family. If we're going to be the thermostat, as you you said, and set an example of peace and love and joy in the family, setting the temperature and the the mood for it, which they totally pick up on, we have to be very self-aware of what, how was my father showing up and how do I need the oxygen mask myself to make sure I'm showing up correctly for them now.
0: Wasn't aware of your father's writing of that uh, essay. I'd I'd love a copy. I'd love to read it. Absolutely.
1: It's interesting because like, you know, we don't get a lot of us don't get a glimpse into what our fathers thinking was about their father. But we're this is a generational thing that's happening and generations tend to carry things down as fathers, we are Uprighting in those bad things in the past as they get transferred down the kingdom of god is constantly expanding and our opportunity as dads is to take a generational thing that's going through our lines and make it conform it to christ conform it to a kingdom of love and and then also just to say it is like some of those things are part of our talents you know and you know like my disruptive spirit you know and Saying the thing that no one will say because I just, you know, have to do it is a big issue that also is connected to that generational stream, if you will, or thread that's going through. So, yeah, we have to really do that. I'm happy to put that uh, story in the show
0: notes. Yeah, that's great. Rob, you know, what we're working towards is to to be intentional but there's there's this other thing that's back there that I'm just realizing as we're talking you know i say often comparison is the enemy of joy and i say it to remind myself as much as i might coach it you know to remember to not compare but i spent a lot of years hearing from my dad and feeling grateful that his mindset was you're going to be better than me you're going to be better than me and i think of that even as i've said that to my children which by the way i've got these two great sons and these two amazing daughters and there's about an 8 year span between my two daughters and my two sons in time frame so we've got a wide time frame of family but when i think about that and i've said this to them i want you to be better than me i'm going to help you that's actually harming them mm. and by that i'm not the standard right and and putting it back into comparison it's then whether they can see Uh, my foibles or my imperfections because I've got lots of them. uh, Or they think that I'm perfect or that I've created some standard with which it's impossible, so why even try? And I'm not here saying that I'm a perfect father by any stretch. I'm just simply saying that if I tell my kids that the opportunity for them is through being better than me, then that might just be a little bit more and not as much as they could be. And so the, the opportunity isn't how good was dad? Okay, be a little better than that. It's how much does the father love me? And by his love for me, that outpours into how, how great a love can I allow for him to flow through me as a dad and just, just make that bandwidth and that pipe be as big as possible so that love flows through. And who is to say what is
1: better? Right. It's just like uh, you know the the father's perspective. His ways are not our ways. Although that's an old covenant covenant word, and I think we're getting closer to be more his kingdom ways. But my dad was a a global strategist for evangelism. I'm not that guy. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a I'm a discipleship guy. I'm solely focused on the body of Christ and making better Jesus followers. He was around the globe introducing people to Jesus. So I don't want to accelerate in the way he went or be better than the way he went. I need to take the path, and, or as the scripture says, to train a child up in the way they should go and really see what are the unique potential passion and purpose that, that have been placed in your son or daughter. And then cast a vision for that, hopefully checking in with our heavenly fathers to help us articulate that vision in a precise way that can really catapult them in the way they should go.
0: Hey, Rob, up until now, we've been talking about a lot of mindset things, uh, making sure that we're good sons and daughters of the Most High of our Heavenly Father and to know and love Him and then to love myself for who He made me to be and then to understand the stages of development and what's needed right now, what's the right thing right now, all those really good mindset things let's move into the practical side to say what are some of the the blocking and tackling to advance development and i think are pretty universal through the stages the first one that i've got on my list is touch and by that is to put our hands on our kids in a way with which they know i'm with you i'm for you you're secure whether it's a hug, a hand on the back and you know a hand on the shoulder. another one is to affirm and encourage and to be seeing the good things, to comment on everything, and be as generous with that encouragement as possible, even stretching past what they can think is true when you encourage them. that gives them a, a wow. broader you know uh, encouragement to fill up, and then dream for them dreaming for them is to say, I believe someday that you could be, and I can see this in your future. And when we do that, we help them to do what they can't do. We're dreaming for them in moments with which they haven't lived long enough to see something come true over a longer period of time. So you're helping them to carry through. The next thing is to always hold out the 35-year-old version of your kids. Now, someday your kids will be 35, but that's That's to always say, and this is what I would tell my daughters and sons, is, hey, I'm thinking about the 35-year-old version of you someday. Then right now you're not feeling it or understanding why I'm saying yes or no. I'm saying this because what I'm after is when you're in the height and the pinnacle of your strength and your wisdom is growing, that you're accelerating, not slowing down. So keeping that out in front and then correcting and admonishing and holding the line for this is right and this is wrong. This is the one, especially in our world today, we want to let go, let go, let go and try to let them be their own. But we need to hold those things as this is right and this is wrong so that they'll feel safe and know that there are lines. They actually will feel safe by the fencing. I, I accidentally left my gate open and my dog this morning would not go outside because she knows that with that gate open, she will run out and she was not going outside. And I didn't realize all I needed to do was close the gate. As soon as I closed the gate, she ran out into the yard. So the gating with discipline and admonition, holding to the rules, it actually provides safety. And then finally, uh, just another practical tip here uh, is to back our kids, to back them, to help them to know that financially, spiritually, um, physically, I'm going to arrange for everything I can as you figure it out, you know, who you're becoming, what you want to try, what you want to experiment with. I'm going to help you experiment with those things so that you can grow and say, is this you? Because we're all in the hunt for Where is the well of oil, and we're we're seeking to find it, find it, find it, find it. And and as our kids are growing, they need our help. We've got to back them so they can find it. So those are some practical things that uh, I lay out when I think about what are the things I need to be doing on a regular basis to help my children develop into godly, God-loving kids. That's really good.
1: And before we close, I, I'll just add one one other hack that I do is I do letters. You know, I try to do them annually or on their, you know, on their birthday. And it's, it's you know, I'm proud of you for this. You did this. I'm, point, I'm reminding them of their growth, their acceleration, their successes. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe like one thing I'm hoping for, but really like this is, you, you have what it takes, constantly saying that. Uh, you know, this is where I, I see you becoming more of who you are. I noticed this attribute about you that I'm really proud of. And I think is going to work really well for you. Those kind of statements in letters. And then, you know, I give it to them, but then I've got it on my computer and, you know, when they get to a certain age, it's going to be, you know, conglomerate print. Here you go. Here, here's, here are the messages of a dad that, uh, that, that I was giving you all along. So when I'm gone, you can revisit
0: that. Oh, man, that's a fantastic way to wrap this because there's nothing like the written word to know how much our Father loves us. Come on. Well, I'm Jeff Gearhart here with Rob Dayton, and we love uh, spending time with you and serving you. You can see in the show notes the opportunity for you to get a free e-course on life mastery, for you to learn more about the master's program, uh, to follow up uh, with Rob and I directly through our contact information We love serving those that are on this mission to leverage the success that God's given them and glorify Him. So we're grateful that you're listening here today, and we'll see you next time on Leveraging Success.